This is Bianca Carosio. Hi, this is Daniel Vasquez. This is Amon Focus. What's up, what's up? This is your boy Kevin Spence. This is Andre Wagner. This is Ashley Bing, and you're listening to We're Getting Better. <laughs> hey guys, this is Brian Summers, and you're listening to episode 36 of We're Getting Better. In this week's episode, we talk about a few things that you might get to know a little better after a few years of shooting. We're talking about lessons learned. Stay tuned. Alright guys, this is episode 36, and I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for anybody who's listened once or twice, or if you've listened to all 36 episodes and been going strong with us for 36 weeks. If you've been doing this and you haven't done so yet, I want to just ask you to go over to iTunes. Just give us a quick rating, give us a give us a comment. These things will help us move higher up in the rankings and become more visible. And after all, the whole purpose of this show is to inspire aspiring photographers. And to help build this community of people that are looking to get better. So if you're listening on iTunes, go ahead and give us that rating. If you're listening on SoundCloud, go ahead and hit that heart. Retweet it, repost it, drop a comment, and let's continue to grow. Now, on a personal note, it's February, February 9th. My birthday is actually exactly a month away. And I'm about to be 30. Yeah, 30, the big 3-0. And I've been shooting for quite a while now. But honestly, I only feel like I've been really good in the past two years of my life. Now I'm assuming as I grow, I'll realize that this is something that is common. You know, you're only funky as your last cut. You're only as good as the last thing you put out. You're always raising a personal bar. So what I did 10 years ago is trash. But 10 years ago, what I did was tight for that time. Now something that also happens is you get so caught up in the now or in the present that you forget about things that you've done unless you're writing these things down. Now, I'm a big advocate of writing things down, keeping a journal, keeping a log of things, but it wasn't until recently that I realized a lot of things that I've learned along these 15 years of actually shooting to now freelancing full-time and moving to New York, moving back to Maryland, and having different gigs, they've allowed me to get better in certain ways and are invaluable. And I would have never realized these things unless I wrote them down. And looking back at what I saw, I've learned a lot of things, but today I'm going to talk about five of those things. This is probably going to be an ongoing theme. Every now and then I'll check back in and say, you know what? Here are five more things that I've learned to date. Because if I give you a huge list of lessons learned, this episode is going to be hours long. So before I ramble on, let me go ahead and break out this beer. Today I've got a beer called Otis by Nikasi Brewing Company. Now this beer, I'm a big fan of stouts, is an oatmeal stout. And, uh... I want to see how this one tastes. It's my first time trying this. I recently found a total wine in, in Laurel, Maryland, and um, I went crazy. I got a bunch of beer. So this is uh, this is today's brew. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, I will say this. It's definitely a stout, but I don't really taste the oatmeal like that. Now, I'm probably biased. Best oatmeal stout I had to date is a Farmer John's oatmeal stout that I had up at Heartland Brewery up in New York, but... For today, this will do. So, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm just going to go over five major things that I've learned personally since picking up my camera to date. And these are not in any particular order. These are just five key things that stood out to me and are a big reason of why I shoot what I shoot today and things that I know not to do in the future, all based upon my personal experiences. Now, as you're listening Think about things that you might have learned to date as well, because 
this list isn't to discourage you from particular avenues. It's just things that might resonate with you as well or things that might make you think, hmm, I've had a similar experience with this or I might want to avoid that in the future. All right. So when I first started making not real money, but enough money to pay phone bills and whatnot, I was in college and I was doing a lot of club photography. Whenever there was a party, I would be the one that would shoot the party. And I was working for a friend under a, you know, company that was the go-to company. And we would all, we would always get called to take care of these parties. Now we're all college age, you know, roughly between 18 and 22 average. And this is the the prime time to learn, learn about the quote unquote real world, to learn about how to deal with people that you'll probably be work with for the rest of your life or figuring out if you don't want to do that thing for the rest of your life. But it's my first real time as a photographer, having clients and dealing with the structure of this particular realm of photography. Now, how it worked was the owner of the company, about the same age as myself, had the connect. He was the plug. The party promoters would reach out to him because he had already established that he had a camera and he could go into these situations and take care of the night. Now, that was something that created value for that party. So every party, they would hire a photographer to capture the night to show evidence that, hey, this party is popping. This party brings out the tight crowd. And most importantly, this party is going to have tight images. Now, if you've been to a party, you know, you know, they get paid off with the bar and the door. But at the end of the night, if they don't make enough money off the bar or if they don't make enough money off of the people that came, if you didn't get your money first, you're probably going to get screwed as the photographer or the DJ. So after shooting a few of these parties, dealing with these promoters, granted, they're probably still learning their lesson, too, because most of them were our age, college age. It just left a bad taste in my mouth. I didn't want to work with these guys anymore because it wasn't guaranteed money. Unless I, the photographer or vendor, go into the situation knowing I'm going to add value to your party. You have nothing to promote unless you have evidence. So I need either a deposit up front or I need all my money up front. And to be honest, if it's less than $1,000, you should probably get all your money up front. Because chances are that party is not going to do as well as that promoter wanted it to do. Or that promoter can be dishonest with you and be a janky promoter and tell you that, well, we didn't make enough money off the bar or we didn't make enough money off of this or give you some type of excuse to jip you on your money. Chalk that up as a lesson learned. Which brings me to my next lesson. Contracts help everybody. Now, you might think that contracts are set up to get you or to help the person that presents the contract. No, a contract is just an agreement. That says, you agree to do this, and I agree to do that. And if, in the event that either of us don't fulfill our end of the bargain, then we can take this contract to a court or to a place to settle this dispute. It doesn't have to end in a loss of friendship or, you know, something something bad. It's just put in place to cover yourself, to cover that person, and at the very least, to just go back to reference to say, oh, you know what? I did agree to give you 30 edited images and so on, you know, so many prints, you know. So contracts are your friend. They're not here to screw you over. And if you feel like they are, that's why reading is fundamental. Whenever somebody gives you something to sign or something to agree to, make sure you read it carefully. And if you don't understand it, consult with somebody else. Say, you know, it's, it's, not, it's nothing wrong with taking that contract to somebody else and having a second opinion, reading over it before you sign it. Because once you sign it, it's an agreement. You agree to do what you sign. And if 
you're in a situation where somebody's pressuring you to sign something, chances are it's suspect. So that might be a telltale sign to not go through with that agreement. All right. Now, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll talk more on lessons learned. Stay tuned. This week's vocabulary word is tonal value or tone. The tonal value is the visual perception of the luminance of a specific area in a subject or the reflectance of an area in a print or simply or put the lightness and darkness. Got it? Great. Back to the show. All right, we're back and on to number three, build relationships. One thing that I've learned is that you can't make it by yourself. I'm not saying it's impossible to be successful without being out in everybody's face. What I am saying is you need people. People are your greatest resources. Now, even if it's just to bounce ideas off of somebody that has similar interests, you need to get out. You need to build relationships, whether it's on social media or actually in person. Um, I've done things from going to a morning lecture series called Creative Mornings and networking in places like that with other creatives and other things like just walking out in your neighborhood. If you're if if you're a shooter, if you're if you're a photographer, just walking around your neighborhood, not being afraid to capture what is around you can develop into something, if not as small as being known as the guy in your neighborhood, and then that can become something else because. You know, there are two degrees of separation between some somebody and somebody else. So you never know. You might be in a situation where you're the guy in your neighborhood and somebody else in your neighborhood is connected to somebody that you might want to shoot or connected to somebody that's connected to somebody else. So get out, build those relationships. Don't be fake. Don't set out to just use somebody because, you know, we we can sense that, you know, you know, when somebody's just here for one particular thing and as soon as they get that or think they've got that they're gone and a genuine relationship is going to be mutually beneficial you're not just going to reach out to somebody and it be one-sided you you're not just going to reach out to somebody and learn how to edit and learn how to shoot and not give anything back in return this person might have a great eye but not be the best when it comes to presenting their work you might be a great editor but not be the best when it comes to composition or color correcting or something as small as that. If you have a genuine relationship with someone, you aren't just going to be hitting them up just to ask about how do you edit this? Hey, how do you do that? You know, just say hey sometimes. Just checking on you. Making sure you're all right. Thought about you. Send some links to some cool sites. Send some references to, you know, a cool event or an art show coming up or something that might help them out. Something that shows that you just don't want to take everything from this relationship. You're contributing to this relationship as much as you can. You may have heard the phrase, you get out what you put in. That's very relevant. I can recall a situation when I was in college and I was shooting a video at this, at this time. You know, I was decent. I was, you know, people knew that I was one of the guys to reach out to to, to get videos, you know, from in, in school. And this one particular person reached out to myself and, and, and a friend of mine and... They pretty much only wanted to know one thing, and they were just in the moment and trying to get things really fast. And, you know, they were here and there, pretty much. They were here today, gone tomorrow, and their work showed for it. Now, if they would have stuck around, been really cool friends, 
they would have learned pretty much everything that I knew. At the end of the day, you're still not me. I'm not you. We have our own input and our own way of thinking. But you're not just going to come into a situation and just take everything at once. That's that's called a leech or a mosquito or you know a parasite. Nobody Nobody likes those. So don't be that guy. Treat people the way you want to be treated. It's that simple. And lastly, with relationships, don't stop with just one click or one area. I attend Creative Mornings. It's a global monthly morning lecture series. That's just one thing I go to to build relationships. I'm also in a fraternity. I also go out and reach out to people that are movers and shakers in my community. These are all things that I do to help benefit my own body of work, to look for somebody that might benefit from my body of work, and ultimately things that will build relationships. Let's take one last break, but when we come back, we'll conclude with the fifth lesson learned. Stay tuned. This week in Tech Briefs, Adobe releases Bridge CC 6.2. Now, if you're into asset management, you're probably into Bridge, whereas other people might just use Lightroom. The new Bridge update offers useful features such as automatic cache or cache management, on-demand thumbnail generation, you can now import from iOS and Android devices on a Mac. And there's an auto-stack panorama HDR. Now, many people use Bridge for asset management. Others, like myself, have ditched Bridge and started using Lightroom. Now, Bridge is powerful for file management, organization, renaming, search capabilities. And if you need higher levels of control over your metadata and other files, Bridge might be the better choice. The automatic cache management allows users to have Bridge automatically purge and compact the cache for quicker thumbnail previews as well as asset searches. The on-demand thumbnail generation creates previews for on-screen assets first, then generates those that remain afterwards when the user scrolls or the application is idle. This honestly seems like something that should have been happening all along, which is probably why I use Lightroom. Meanwhile, the metadata for all other items is immediately extracted to enable filter and search capabilities as soon as possible. As mentioned before, you can now import from iOS and Android devices on a Mac. Now, the AutoStack Panorama HDR feature has been reinstated. This feature uses capture time, exposure data, and image alignment to allow Bridge to automatically recognize HDR in panorama sequences and stacks them together to prepare for merging. So count that as a feature to enhance your workflow. Bridge 6.2 is now available for Creative Cloud subscribers. So if you're into Bridge, check it out, download it. But personally, I'll still be using Lightroom. This week's recommended book is What the Dog Saw by Malcolm Gladwell. Keeping with this week's topic of lessons learned, What the Dog Saw is filled with stories that will allow you to gain a better perspective of success stories, challenges, and why certain people have it and others don't. Gladwell explores what the difference is between choking and panicking, why there are dozens of mustards and one variety of ketchup, what do football players teach us about teachers, and what does hair dye tell us about the history of the 20th century. What the dog saw is about 400 pages, but an easy and sometimes funny read. Definitely check it out and consider it when you're thinking about your lessons learned. Once again, that's What the Dog Saw by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay, we're back. And the last lesson learned that I want to cover in today's episode is something very important. And it's probably something that you've gone through if you feel like your work got stagnant or you feel like you have gotten complacent in what 
whatever area. If you're always telling yourself, you know what, I need to level up or I need to change something, chances are you got comfortable. And it's cool. It's all right. You know, we all get comfortable. We all, you know, might get to a certain point where we feel that we found our tempo. But once you realize that you've been playing that same beat, or you've been editing that same way, or you've been stuck in that same mode for a little too long, especially when you start to realize or you start to feel that other people around you are starting to bite that style or whether you started it or not, it's time to move on. It's time to realize that you've gotten a little too comfortable. You never want to be that big fish in a small pond. If you've ever realized that you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find another room. Now, by no means am I saying forget where you came from or ditch the friends. Definitely like lift as you climb and bring those people with you. But if you ever feel like you're not progressing because you've hit the ceiling, it's time to find something that challenges you. Think about it like this. If you ever want to learn a foreign language, let's say your first language is English and you want to learn Spanish, you can use Rosetta Stone, you can learn it in the United States, but I bet you'll learn it a lot faster if you just jumped out and went to Spain, went to Mexico or some country that Spanish is the first language. Because now you're in a situation where you're uncomfortable. You have to learn this other language in order to communicate. These are the things that will definitely help you progress, help you elevate and move up. I'm actually going through it right now. I'm I moved back home. I'm not in an area where I'm used to anymore. I haven't lived here in some time. And now I have to find what it is that's my tempo in Maryland. In New York, I can just walk out, be in an environment, and capture things that just happen on a daily basis. Now I'm coming from a place where I didn't need a car to a place where I do. Coming from a place where I could just hop on a train and be anywhere very conveniently. So now in Maryland, a place that does have a train that goes between D.C. and Virginia, but it's not as convenient. The stops aren't exactly where I need to be. I might take a train and still need to catch a cab, but still have some type of way to get me from this point to the next. In a way, it's a good thing to be uncomfortable because you know that's your time to test yourself. To test, am I going to make it in this situation? So, to bring things back full circle, these are just five lessons out of many lessons that I've learned along these 15, 16 years of having a camera. There are lots more that I can talk about, but we'll save those for another episode. And I would love to hear about lessons that you've learned. Okay, that's all for today. Usually I'd be going out to shoot something right now, but the weather's kind of crazy today, so I think I'm going to stay in, get some editing done. So until next week, let's get better. Thanks again for listening to another episode of We're Getting Better. As always, drop comments in the section below. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brian Summers, B-R-Y-O-M-S-U-M-M-E-R-S, and BrianSummers.com. Let's get better.